we talked about this baggage. The biblical word from baggage comes from the scripture in Corinthians that says we don't wage war, war as the world does, um, but we, we come up against strongholds. And we talked about that word strongholds being the, the biblical word for baggage. And in the Greek, that word stronghold actually means to a prisoner locked by deception or locked by a lie. And so when we're carrying baggage around in our lives, what we're actually doing is we're allowing ourselves to stay bound up and locked by deception and by a lie of the enemy. And so kind of the one I want to tackle today is, is, uh, is it's really a big one, and all of us deal with it. And I want to talk about the bag that won't let go. The bag that won't let go. I, I kind of think, I've, my experience has been with people, just leading people, pastoring people, that when someone gives their heart to Christ, when they make that initial decision to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, usually there's a significant amount of transformation that happens like pretty, that was like the cutest sneeze I've ever heard in my life. Did you guys hear that? Sound like a chipmunk up here. She's like, so, sorry, sorry to me. you're welcome, you're welcome. I don't know who you are because it's too dark to see you, but, oh, that was Liz, all right, okay, that was Liz D'Onofrio, everyone. <laughs> You, you said it, so I wasn't going to tell everybody who it was, but... All right, so uh, what was I talking about? Baggage. All right, baggage. <laughs> Most people, when they meet Christ, there's a significant amount of transformation that happens, like, almost overnight. And a lot of the junk that people have in their lives, a lot of the sin that they're dealing with, they kind of pretty quickly steer away from all of those things. But I think every single one of us have probably dealt with this. I know I have. There's, it seems like there's always that one or two things that just kind of seem to be the nagging thing that gets you. I've always referred to them as the fatal. When I'm dealing with leaders, I ask them, what's your fatal flaw? What is that one or two areas of your life that if you're going to mess up and you're going to stumble is going to be in that area? And uh, so all the men, I can just tell you right now, is lust. All right. So let's just be honest. We're, all right. So, but um, the, the, there's always that one or two things that always seems to creep back up into our lives. And it's, we know that if you're going to make a mistake, if you're going to mess up, it's probably going to be one of those things. And it's that, it's that piece of baggage that just won't let go of you. And, uh, and, and what happens is we start to actually just accept it. And so we just think, well, or, this is just who I am. I'm, I'm never going to be really, truly 100% free. I'm probably always going to have this one nagging mistake that I keep making, this one or two areas that I keep struggling with and I keep messing up with. And, and so what I want to do today is I want to kind of shine some light, shine some truth on that because you accepting, and in fact, some of us don't just accept it. We even start to think really messed up things like, well, maybe God put that in my life just to, to keep me humble or whatever. And I just want to tell you, that, that God the Father wants you 100% completely free. There's not any sin, there's not any baggage that he is going to purposely leave in your life to mess with you. That's, that's not the heart of the Father. That's not the heart of the God we serve. And so what I want to do is shine some light, shine some truth on that one or two things that you're struggling with. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine is. We'll talk about that a little bit today. I want to shine some light on that and show you how you can actually be free from all of it, 100% free. You can put that baggage down once and for all. That addiction, the lust, the bad habit, the, the secret sin that you have that nobody else knows about, the, 
the eating disorder, the depression, the anxiety, whatever that thing is that nags at you and, and kind of messes with you all the time, I'm just telling you this morning that by the end of the service, you'll have some tools in your hands and you can actually be 100% free from that thing. How many want that this morning? <laughs> There's not as much excitement as I would anticipate. Come on, some of you are like, do I want to admit that I have that? We all have it. Come on, how many want some freedom from that this morning? Doesn't that sound good? All right, good. So, all right. God can, and he wants, he, listen, you need to hear this. He wants to set you free from that thing. You've probably even gone to church. Some of you are already checking out already. Because you've been in a message like this, you've been in a church service, you've prayed at an altar, uh, or in our case, at the front of a movie theater, and you said, okay, God, this is really the time. I'm really going to lay that thing down. I'm not going to do it anymore. And you still find yourself doing it. And so even right now, you're already starting to check out because you're, you're going, I already, I've heard it. I've heard it all. You don't understand how many books I have on this topic to try to get me freedom. And so I'm just telling you, the Bible's true. It's 100% true, and the power of God can change and transform anything. So don't check out on me this morning. I'm telling you, you're going to have some tools by the end of the message. You're going to have some steps to take to find freedom. We're going to get rid of it once and for all. Let's start out with looking at the Apostle Paul. This guy had some baggage of his own to deal with. He writes about it in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And he says this, I don't really understand myself. Let's just, we can just stop right there. How many of us have ever felt that way? I, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I've been there. I like what um, J.B. Phillips, in his, uh, his paraphrase of the New Testament, writes this scripture. He says, I often find that I have the will to do good, but not the power. That is, I don't accomplish the good I set out to do, and the evil I don't really want to do, I find I'm always doing. Anybody else been there? I want to do what's right. I want to live for God with my whole heart. There's something within me that's actually craving that and crying out for that, but it seems like I always find myself in the situations where I'm not doing the things that I thought I would be doing, and, I am, and it actually leads to a great state of confusion for many of us. And it's one of the reasons that I love God's Word, because aren't you just glad that we don't read Scripture and it doesn't just say, you're really jacked up, get your junk together. Isn't it refreshing to see the Apostle Paul go, I don't get myself. Here I am writing two-thirds of the New Testament, but I don't really get it. I don't really understand myself, and what I want to do, I don't do. The stuff I hate, I keep finding myself doing. So I want to give you some, there's, there should be some hope in that for you this morning, that if the Apostle Paul was feeling that way, and you're feeling that way, there's a chance that it's all going to work out all right, because I think the Apostle Paul might have accomplished something for the kingdom of Christ in his lifetime. Come on, are you with me this morning? Doesn't that give you some hope that if Paul was fighting it, man... It's okay that we're fighting it. So let's talk about that bag that won't let go. And what I want to do is give you some things that will help you identify what that piece of baggage is that you're having a hard time getting rid of. And, and I would actually call this the cycle of destruction that, that happens in our lives. And 
unfortunately, what happens oftentimes is we'll go through this cycle with one piece of baggage and it will get it attached to our lives and then we just get okay with it and we go into a coping mechanism and then the enemy will bring another one along and add another piece. And so what he wants to do, we talked about this last week, is get you so weighed down with baggage that, listen, whatever he's attacking you with, that's not the issue. The issue is he wants to weigh you down with so much baggage that you never accomplish God's good and perfect purpose for your life. So we got to get the baggage off, man, so that we can run free and accomplish what God has called us to do. So here's the first thing that I think happens in this cycle of destruction. Number one, that baggage, it becomes a part of your identity. It becomes a part of your identity. Can I just say, Todd, these things are cool, man. I can see all the notes on these screens up here now. This is awesome. And I'll be able to yell at you for typos now because I can see them. All right. It's awesome. I am a little bit of a perfectionist in case you've not picked that up yet. Amen, worship team. All right, so it becomes a part of our identity. And what we actually do is we, whatever that baggage is, whatever that thing is, it stops being a problem that we're trying to fix, and we just accept it. We start to believe that it's you, it's, you, it's who I am. We start saying, well, that's who I am. I'm just always, I've just, guys, we just, I've just always been into the ladies, you know? That's just me. That's who I am. I can't help it. Lust has just always been there, and it's always going to be there, and I can't do anything. That's just who I am. No, that's not who you are. I'm going to talk about it here in a second. It's a dangerous lie from the enemy. Here's why I know it's a lie. Because the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we can't say things like, well, that's just me. I've just always been kind of grumpy. No, you're a jerk and you need Jesus to transform your heart and start loving people. All right, so I've just always been kind of shy and insecure, and I can't be anything else. I don't know why being shy and insecure makes you have half a lisp. That was kind of weird. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, that's a lie from the enemy. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, new creature, creation, (laughs) creature. I make up so many cool words when I'm preaching. Awesome. You guys should write these down for English class. All right. <laughs> if any man is in Christ, he's new. The, the old you is gone. So, so we can't do that. We can't go into that coping mechanism where we say, well, that's just me. No, it's not you. Because when you accepted Christ, the Spirit of God came to life inside of you. And, and how horrible of us to cheapen the work of the cross and the power of the gospel to just say, well, that's just me. I can't change. You've got Jesus Christ living inside of you. You can change. You can do it. I'm going to show you how. It's no disrespect to, to support groups or, or the many different processes of therapy that are out there. I know that, that they work oftentimes, but I do have a little bit of a, I take issue with some of those, the groups and the, even some of the 12-step processes because many of them will make you say, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm a whatever. 
And, and here's the problem I have with that, is that that teaches you for the rest of your life to own the identity of that thing. And I understand the idea is to keep some humility and to keep you from ever believing that you're not susceptible to it anymore. But the, the, but the issue I have with it is that the Bible says that when Christ is in us, we're a new creature, we're a new creation. And so I reject any idea that says that my identity is now tied to an issue or a sin from my past because the, the blood of Christ has, has washed me clean and set me free. I think God can set you free so you don't have to say that anymore. So it shouldn't become a part of our our identity. Here's the second step in the cycle of destruction. You feel increasingly hopeless. Hopeless. So it starts out being a part of our identity. Then we just start to get hopeless. The sign that you're here in this stage of hopelessness is what I already talked about. You're you're already checking out of of the message this morning. Nothing you say, Mike, nothing you preach, nothing in the Bible, nothing God does will ever get this thing out of my life, will never get this issue out of my life. No, I'm telling you, that's a lie from the enemy, and I'm here to shine light on it this morning. I'm here to shine the light of God's word, God's truth on that this morning. And so you could be sitting here thinking there isn't any hope at all for ever getting free from that thing, but I'm telling you, there is. It's the hope of Christ. It's the hope of the Lord. He can save you from it. Here's the next step in the cycle of destruction. You actually start to become defensive. Defensive. You, you actually defend the baggage that you're carrying. Or, in some cases, you reject anyone in your life brave enough to point out the bags that you're carrying. And this is one way to end up really isolated and really alone in life. It's, it's one of the reasons why we're such big proponents of small groups. By the way, new semester starts like today, this week. It's going to be awesome. And I expect to see some of you men on the intramural fields right over here on Main Street with me next Saturday morning for some flag football because I'm going to light you up. Oh, you thought Hurley was bad throwing for 220 and touched three touchdowns, four touchdowns in the first quarter. I don't know. He looked like Peyton Manning. But wait till you see this. That's all I got to say. You here today, Hurley? You're lucky you got to play on Saturdays, son. All right. <laughs> I just want to say, looks like I'm going to be 3-0 in my fantasy league, too. So, all right. There's some 0-2 guys in this building right now. I don't want to rub the salt into your wound, but one of them's name. No, I won't say it. All right. So you become defensive, and you start to defend the bags, you reject anyone in your life brave enough to point them out. When you get into a small group, what you do is you begin to build some relationships with people that, that you invite into your life at a level where they can say, hey, hey man, do you, do you know you're doing this? Do you, do you know this relationship that you're in might actually not be that good for you? Like there's some patterns you're developing that aren't healthy. And guys, we need that. We need that in our lives. You can't become defensive about the baggage. Here's the next step, cycle of destruction. You become a slave. And what actually happens is that baggage that you're carrying actually starts to control you. It's where we see addictions take root and really take hold. You become a slave to that thing, and then last, you begin to lose your life. You just kind of resign to the fact that it's over, you've lost, and it's time to figure out how to cope. And the whole reason I think I'm here this morning is to pull you up out of that mess and say it's not over. That Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, wants you free from that thing. And you don't have to carry it 
anymore. Come on, don't you, don't you want that this morning? Wouldn't you like to just give the devil a big old black eye, man? Just take that baggage. Suitcases are heavy. That's, what, that's, the, that's the mental picture I want you to have at the end of the day, is you picking up the bag and swinging it at the devil's face. All right, just knock him out. So you're like, you're so violent. Why are you so violent? It's baggage, it's baggage. All right. Here's the thing, the Bible, a lot of us go into that coping mechanism, but the Bible doesn't ever give us any instructions on coping. Here's the instructions it does give us. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let, do not, look at your neighbor say, do not. Do not. You know what that means in the Greek? It means do not. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Come on, somebody. Amen. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. What is the sin here? It's anything in our life that controls us. Anything in our life that controls. I have people all the time when they get involved with serving in our church, we have an honor code where we ask you to be careful about some things like like drinking alcohol and and getting addicted to tobacco products. And so people will always come to me and they'll say, but I sometimes I have a glass of wine with dinner. Does that mean I can't be on the team and I can't serve? And I say, no, what we're talking about are things that you become a slave to. And so you know, you know when you become a slave to something. You know, we, that's, that's religion. That's the law that makes us start asking questions and looking for loopholes. When in reality, what we ought to do is just ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Remember what, remember what David said? He said, search my heart, God. Find any, any anxious thought, anything in me that you're not happy with and help me change it. So that's the, man, that's the heart of living in freedom. That's the heart, actually, of a life-giving church, is that we don't have to run around with a list of rules and make sure everybody in our church is following them. We don't have to, ladies, aren't you glad nobody checked the length of your skirt before you came in church this morning to make sure, oh, sorry, you've got to leave. It's a church for sinners like you down the road. No, no I mean, that's it's crazy. I mean, come on. What is the sin? It's anything in our life that controls us. Here's, uh, you might want to just, if you're taking notes, if you're writing down, this isn't in them because we went out of room, ran out of room. You might want to flip the paper over and write down what I'm about to give you. Because what I'm going to give you is some, some easy ways to know whether or not something in your life has mastered you. Just some questions that you can ask yourself, and it will tell you if there's something in your life that is mastering you. Here, here they are. Do your family and friends say you have a problem? Do you continue even though it's hurting people. Do your friendly, family and friends say you have a problem? Do you continue even though it's hurting people? Do you arrange your schedule around it? Here's one. Can you go one week without it? Is it leading you to isolation? Are you trying to keep it a secret? And if you answer yes to, to two or three of those, this message is going to help you. 
something in your life has either already mastered you or you're in the process of being mastered by it and the enemy is winning in that area of your life, but not after today. You're going to be free. They, um, they did a study, actually, scientists did, on men and found out that um, there are actually, men, this will help you, there are actually days of the week where men struggle with lust more than others. And so, like, there are different days when that, that tendency to have a lust problem goes up, and it's harder on us guys. And what they found was that, guys, we struggle with lust more on any day that starts with the letter T. So Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow, And Saturday and Sunday. All right, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to break some tension there because we're talking about some, some heavy stuff. So I thought I'd just, that's real. You can look it up. <laughs> All right, let's change gears. Do we want to be free from the baggage? Okay, so I know it's been kind of heavy, but here's the good news. We can get free from this stuff. I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to give you some steps to get free from the baggage. So here we go. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, this is one of those scriptures where it's it's worthwhile to find out what the original writers wrote. Because the English translators, they, they do as good a job as they possibly can, but we know that Greek and Hebrew are actually far more descriptive languages than the English language. And so that word spirit there, a lot of times we read that, and so we and we just think like, oh, this ghostly, ghastly, mystical presence of God that floats around and gives us goosebumps. And I, so that actual, the word spirit there is a, is a word you've probably heard before. In the Greek, it's called pneuma. And the word pneuma actually means breath of God and power. So what this, what this scripture actually says is, for the Lord is breath with power all inside of it. And where that breath and power is, there's freedom. And so, you know what our church is actually all about? You know what the Sunday experience is really all about? Is It's all designed around the hope that somewhere during this hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes that you spend here, that the breath of God with power inside of it at some point, touches your life and gives you some freedom. I mean, that's really, if you want to sum up what Sunday morning is about at True Life Church, the hope is that people who've never experienced pneuma, the breath of God, will come experience it. That's what we want for you. And where, yeah, you could clap for that. Somebody help that brother out. Come on, you could clap for that. <laughs> Somebody's like, I'm trying, man. Nobody's helping me. All right. That's what it's all about here, pneuma, power. We want you to get free. We want you to live a free life. Remember this verse from a couple weeks ago. talked about it already. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So there's, there's two players in this thing. There's God, and we know his role. His role is to bring that breath of power, but you have a role as well in putting the baggage down. 
And so what I want to do is I want to give you some steps that will help you position yourself for that pneuma, that power, that breath of God to come into your life and break the chains off and finally give you freedom in that one or two areas, that bag that won't let go. You ready? You want to hear this? All right. Here's the first one. Number one, can the excuses. Can the excuses. So you're like, I thought this was going to be encouraging. It is. Trust me, it is. But we got to, if we're going to get rid of the bags in our lives, we've got to stop making excuses for them. God doesn't want them there. You don't want it there. So let's stop making excuses for why it's there. Listen, I, I understand that, that some of us come from some pretty horrible stories and, and some pretty horrible backgrounds. And so you're, you're probably saying right now, man, you don't understand how mean my parents were. You don't understand how ugly the divorce was. You don't understand how much depression I've dealt with or how much anxiety I've Chances are, I, I probably do. I mean, my, my childhood's not all fields of daisies and roses and unicorns either. Um, all of us have some stuff that we've dealt with. But I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. I can tell you that there came a point in my life where the Holy Spirit kind of revealed to me that, yeah, all that stuff was bad, but you're new. And so at some point, you've got to stop carrying all that stuff around and using it as an excuse for who you are today and start embracing the version of you that God is trying to create and turn you into and pursue it with all your heart and live life excuse-free. You've got to do it. you just got to. And I think my generation, I'm like right on that borderline generation X, Y. And so there's a little, kind of a little bit of both in me at times. But I think my generation and, and the Y generation both, we suffer. In fact, Janelle Mears, I don't know where she's at, posted a great article to this effect yesterday. We, we, we kind of suffer from the, the unrealistic expectations of, and how special I think I am. And, and I've just got to tell you, like, you're not. You're not. You, 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 I mean, we can't all be the best at everything. Doesn't work. Some of us are going to be better at things than others. Some of us are going to have better careers than others. Some of us have better skill sets than others. And so, man, the only, the only reason any of us actually will ever turn out to do anything that brings fulfillment and purpose to our lives is that we stop making excuses about why things didn't meet the expectations we thought we had and we just start pursuing who God has called us to be and with, with reckless abandon. Because without that, I can, just, I, I can tell you right now, without the Holy Spirit working in your life, you don't have a shot at being special. I mean, maybe special, but not, not special. Is that PC? I don't know if that's PC. All right. <clears throat> At some point, we've got to take responsibility for the bags we're carrying and stop blaming everybody else. You can put them down. You can put them. Nobody's strapped the bag to you. There's no padlock holding it on. you got to put it down. It's your responsibility. Luke 18, 14 to 20, gives us a great example of a bunch of people who are making excuses. This is a parable that Jesus is telling, and and, uh, and here it is. He says, but they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. Boy, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that one, I'd have no nickels. All right. 
I've just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Modern day translation, I just got an Audi. All right. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. This group of people, they've been invited to this feast. It's going to be an incredible feast. And the parable here is that, that Jesus Christ has invited us to be a part of something special, to be invited to be a part of his kingdom and to live a life of purpose and meaning and fulfillment. But many of us will make too many excuses for the bags that we're carrying. We'll never put them down and we'll never make it to the party because we refuse to can the excuses. And many, many of you still say, I talk to people all the time, they'll say, I'll walk through these steps with them about getting rid of baggage. And they'll look me in the eyes and they'll say, but I, but I just can't. I can't. I can't put it down. I just, I've tried and I can't. And all I know to say to you is what the Bible says in Philippians 4.13. It says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what I would say to you is, no, you can't. But through Christ, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Can the excuses. Here's the second thing you've got to do. This is going to be tough for some of you. You're not going to want to hear this, but you've got to cut the ties. Cut the ties. Because what will happen for many of us is you'll make a decision, and you'll even pray about it in the message at the end of the service today, to, to set that bag down and to walk away from it. But tomorrow, you'll pick it back up. You'll, you'll cut off a relationship that you shouldn't be in, and then tomorrow when you're feeling kind of lonely and insecure, you, you'll pick up the phone and you'll send the text, or you'll make the call. Or you'll Facebook about how lonely and desperate you are. Stop that. It's pathetic. You can't drop the bag today and then pick it up when you leave. You've got to cut the ties. Examine your life. What environments, what habits, what people might be in our lives that we need to cut out? Walk away from. I've even, man, I've. This will be a little raw for some of you. There's, there's sometimes even family that you need to just love from a distance. <laughs> Somebody just got all the freedom they needed right there. <laughs> I know who that was too. I know exactly who that was. It's a good thing your mama ain't here. All right. <laughs> cut the tie it's guys i just got i got to give you some liberty here you should love your family but but if if family's creating an unhealthy environment for you to be able to pursue god and and serve him with all your heart if they're constantly bringing baggage into your life it's okay to redraw the boundaries and you can love them and just tell them you you don't get to go past this boundary there's family, it's okay. It's okay to do that with, there's some friendships where you need to say to your friends, hey, maybe somewhere down the road we'll get to be as close as we used to be, but, but right now there's too much baggage for me. So I love you, but I'm gonna love you from a distance. I'm gonna, I, I've gotta put a boundary in place because there's, there's just too, I gotta, I gotta cut the ties. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Some of us need to stop 
making bad decisions. We need to change some environments. We need to change some habits. We need to cut the ties. Some of us need to go out of here and get some filters installed on our computers to keep us from some things on the internet. So I don't even have that problem right now, but don't you want to make sure you never have it? Wouldn't that be better? Just to, just to avoid it altogether? And, and listen, there's, there's a couple of them out there. Uh, we've recently abandoned X3 Watch because they've not done a good job of taking care of the software. But there's, a, there's some software out there called SafeEyes. I think it's like 50 bucks. You can put it on your, on, it'll run on Macs and PCs and all that stuff. Um, if you're running a Windows machine, all three of you in college whose parents were too cheap to buy a Mac, um, <clears throat> I'm not a Mac guy. I've got a Windows laptop. I just know how trendy you have to be with your little apples. All right, so. And an Android. All right. This is not going well. <laughs> Safe Eyes, if you're on a Windows machine, Microsoft has a free one called Family Safety, where you can set up passwords and, and parents at least use that. Keep your kids safe. I mean, if you're letting your kids get on the computer um, unsupervised, at least, at least make sure they're not going to see something that they're not ready to see yet. Some of us need to do that. We need to cut the ties. Some of us, to, like, you need to make a decision in this service to end the relationship that you're in. And I know that's tough, but if you don't cut the ties with whatever it is that's bringing that baggage back into your life, you can't blame anybody but you. You just can't. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And I think a lot of us like the first half of that verse. But that kind of seems, submit to God. Oh, God, I submit to you. But it's, it's a two-part verse. You've got to submit and resist. Resist the devil, and then he'll flee. See, we, we leave that part out in the way we live our daily lives. Oftentimes, we submit to God. We go, thank you. God, I need freedom. And then we think the devil's going to run because you did that. No, you've got to resist him. Because he's constantly pushing against you to see if you really meant it when you submitted. Cut the ties. Cut the ties. Can the excuses cut the ties? Here's the third thing you've got to do. You've got to fill the void. Because when you put that baggage down, it will create temporary space in your life. And you've got to fill that space with something else. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's how I want you to translate that piece of Scripture. The wine equals whatever your bag is. So don't fill your life with baggage, which leads to debauchery. Do you know what debauchery actually means? It actually means to be controlled by your senses. So don't fill your life with baggage and be controlled by your senses. Instead, be filled with pneuma, power, God's Spirit, God's presence inside of you. That sounds more fun anyway. To be full, don't you, wouldn't you just want to live life like full of God's power? I mean, that just sounds, that's why guys like Peter were walking around town and sick people are getting healed by their shadows. What? I mean, I would be so arrogant if I had that. Oh, you're not feeling good? Come, come here, Fred. Come, come. Boom! 
how you feel now. That's why God didn't give that to me. Because I'd be showing off. I don't even know what he gave me. Except the ability to steal other people's messages. All right, so fill the void. What am I going to fill the void with? Here, here's what I think you should fill it with. And there's, there's some blanks right there at the bottom of your sheet if you're taking notes. Number one, I think you should fill it with God's word. Fill it with God's word. Ephesians 5, 25 says this. For, for husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave his life up for her. Why? To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So when we read scripture, there's a cleansing process when we're putting God's word into our life. It keeps us clean. It keeps us out of the muck and the mess of this life. By You've got to fill the void. And if you don't fill the void with God's word, you won't stay clean. Too many of us, we think, oh, I've got to read my Bible because that's what a good Christian does. I've got to, here's my checklist of all the good Christians. I've got to read my Bible, pray 10 minutes. Don't say any cuss words today. Don't smoke, don't chew, don't date girls that do. That's what we think. That's, that is good advice, by the way. But, <laughs> but it's, it's not what living for Christ, living, reading the Bible, having a hunger for God's word, is about having a passion to stay connected to him and to stay clean. I made a decision a long time ago to keep God's word in my life daily. So I could do a checklist and know that I'm a good Christian? No, because I'm messed up when I don't have his word in my life. I'm just messed up. We've got to fill the void with God's word. Here's the, another thing I think you should fill the void with is prayer. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. This high priest of ours understands, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet, He did not. Listen, do you get it? You serve a God who understands. He understands. But I'm so messed up, man. He knows. He understands. And he's actually not even angry at you about it. In fact, the, the more messed up we are, the more desperate he is to be near to us so that he can help us clean it up. That should give you some hope today. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. And it's far too many of us, man, we've, we've let the, the liturgy of, of religious tradition and what happens in church services define our prayer life. And we need to go back and redo it. Having a, a prayer life just means having regular conversations with the creator. And when I pray, I talk to him just like I would talk to you. And when I'm mad about something, I talk to Jesus just like I would talk to anybody else. Fact, Mrs. Austin's going to yell at me. I've even told Jesus I thought something sucked. Yeah. No lightning bolts. I'm alive. No lightning bolts that I remember. I just thought, I just thought, God, this, this is not good. I don't like it. Help me figure this. I just have conversations with him. I talk to him about my family. God, I need you to help me be a good dad. I'm in over my head. I got my kids in, it's just kindergarten. There's nothing even deep happening yet. And I'm still like, 
There was some boy smiling at her at a football game a couple weeks ago. I was like, son, I'm about to boot you from row K to row A, you know? We need, we need to fill the void with prayer. Here's the third thing you need to fill the void with, an accountability partner. Again, this is what happens in groups. This is why it's so important. You should have a card in your, in your service guide today that gives you the website to go to to find our groups. Several of you guys lead groups with InterVarsity. If you're a student, go get plugged into a group. Build some authentic relationships. And let me challenge you, if you are leading groups like that, Reading God's word, studying God's word is incredibly important, but, but building the relationships with each other so that iron sharpens iron is equally important. So don't just become inward, self-serving, spiritual sponges that just sit there and soak up God's word and then argue about what you think the Bible means on a specific topic. That's stupid, and you'll never reach anybody doing that. You get together and you sharpen each other and you make each other better and you, you help each other find what God has called you to and find your potential together and then you go out and you help each other change the world and reach people who don't have Jesus yet. That's what happens in a good, healthy group. That's a lot nicer than I said it to Brandon Blue one day. All right. <clears throat> James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. You know, the Bible talks about confession two places. One, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. And two, it says that healing begins when we confess them to each other. And I just think all of us need, you need one or two people in your life who, who can know everything about you, who you can say anything to without the fear. You're going to meet one of those people in my life next week. He'll be here speaking, Corey Hardesty. Who, who oversees uh, uh, pastoral relations for the ARC, the Association of Related Church, you're going to love him. He's awesome. You should invite lots of people. He's going to do a great job for us. And he, but he's one of those guys. I, if, if something's up, I pick up the phone. And I know he'll, if I needed him in town, like, to help me, if I was going through a, a tragedy or a crisis, he would swipe his credit card and get here and ask questions later. And you, you need people like that in your life. And I would submit to you that in the context of the local church, the absolute best place to build those kind of relationships is in a group. Just ask some of the people who've, who've gone through some stuff while they attend our church. Their groups have rallied around them and taken care of them while they walk through it. And it's been beautiful to see, beautiful to watch. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. people, listen to this, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they'll receive mercy. Life change, guys, real life change always takes place in the context of relationships. You got to have them. You got to have some accountability in your life. Band, you guys come on up. And here's the last thing, the fourth thing that you need to fill the void with in your life is ministry. Ministry. Romans 12, 21 says, don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. Far, far, far too many of us have baggage in our life because our lives have become inward focused. And I would, I would submit to you the most therapeutic thing you can do when you're struggling is serve somebody else. I just, when, I'm, when I feel myself starting to get into a pity party and get down on things and I'm not happy about things, I know it's time to go serve. I want to find somebody and pour into their life. 
I want to help find the potential. I want to help find the thing that God's doing in their life and help pull it out of them and get my eyes off of me and get my eyes off of my situation. Because Jesus Christ, man, that's the example he set for us. He was never sitting around having a pity party about the cross. It was always about serving us and setting us free. And here's, I would say this, you might want to write this down. It's impossible to fix you with your eyes on you. It's impossible to fix you with your eyes on you. So, so do some ministry. Get out and do, that's why, we, that's why we do this process here called Life Track. It's not a, this is not a well-planned commercial in my message to try to get you to participate in that. We actually believe you live a healthier, freer life if you walk through this process of getting healthy relationships and then serving the kingdom of Christ in the area that best fits you. And there's something out there for you. We believe it with all of our hearts. And if you haven't been through that process yet, man, you need to check it out. You need to try it because you need to fill. If the baggage is going to be gone from your life, you've got to fill the void.